All right. Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Fredland. And as always, we are joined by our panel tonight, Rob Washam, Chris Jones, John Somsky, and Jim Reed. And uh, what we're going to do tonight, uh, well, let me thank our sponsors. Uh, even though they are shut down, even though we're waiting for them without, not very patiently, to reopen. <laughs> we just really want live poker back. I see some head noddings. Like, there's so many of us that are like, I'm dying to play live poker again. But uh, Running Aces, Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel, uh, as well as Learn Pro Poker, Website Amp, thanks to you guys for sponsoring the show. Uh, episode 175. And today I thought we're going to do a quick check-in. Uh, I get some comments. I get some questions from people saying, how are you doing with with everything that's happening in the world? So I thought, why not just check in as a team, as a community, and, and kind of talk about how we're doing as a panel uh, in light of the coronavirus. And then we'll dig into the strategy piece. Uh, Chris Jones has a hand that he recently played on ACR. And so um, one thing I wanted to make sure you're aware of, I know we beat this drum a little bit, but go to rec.poker slash resources. That's where we've got all of this stuff. People are saying, hey, what's the code for this? What's the partnership you have with that? What's the benefit for that? We have it all out there, rec.poker slash resources. I know one thing that a ton of people are taking advantage of is this ACR. If you have never been on America's Card Room and you sign up, don't sign up until you have this code ready. Because when you sign up with this code, you can use either rec poker or rec elite or rec rake and you get some additional benefits it's all there on the website uh, so check that out but if you're new to online poker use one of those codes you get like rake back or you get some extra bonuses and you can also uh, uh buy poker tracker 4 and we've got some custom built huds heads up displays that we are making available to the folks that sign up through our link and one more thing i want to quickly call out is our partnership with red chip poker uh, fantastic content, fantastic guys, uh, James Splitsuit Sweeney and the whole crew over there. And we've got a uh, relationship with them now that'll get you a free week of core. This is their primary content, uh, fantastic program, uh, costs like five bucks a week, but you can get your first week free. Go to redchippoker slash recpoker and enter the code recpoker. Simple as that. Do it. Get your first week free. Check it out and let us know what you think. So with that panel, welcome. <laughs> How are we doing? There's a thumbs up, which is comes across great on a podcast, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. Rob's doing great. Let's go. Well, I stay home. I've been staying home for the last month. Um, last time I was in the office was March 16th. And I'm a, I'm a little older, in case you haven't noticed. I'm um, I'm beyond that. I'm I'm at I'm one of those at risk people, no. right? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. And so I was sitting in a meeting on Monday, March 16th, and there was like 10 people in this conference room, and I think we could virtually be only two feet apart. Mm. And I'm going, well, this this just isn't working. So I went home that night and haven't been back since. <laughs> yeah. Been working at home and uh, it's worked out pretty well. Have you been any, anybody in your family or friendship circle at all that's been uh, impacted directly by the virus? Not at this time. Good. Every weekend um, we do a little Zoom meeting with my family. So my son and his wife, my daughter, her husband, and my two grandkids hmm. all do a Zoom meeting. And uh, 
So we, you know, hour, hour and a half. So we just get together and talk and talk about what you've been binging lately, you know, because yeah. a lot of binging of TV going on. <laughs> I don't know if anybody likes Ozark, but we just finished binging that on Saturday. I just, I just, I just finished like season one. I thought, ah, I don't know if I'll do it or not. And then I like got hooked. So I finished season one. Yep. We just finished season three last uh, on Saturday. So we're all. And that's all there is, right? Is it just three seasons? So far. Okay. So far. But there's still, there will be more. <laughs> I, I saw Jonesy and I saw Jim acknowledge that they're Ozark fans too. John doesn't move his head very much. Like so I didn't know if he's in or not. I and actually I, just started watching it. I'm about halfway through the first season. It's really, it really catches you. It just grabs you, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it does. Like, wow. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping that I actually figure out how to launder money. You know, <laughs> that way if I have a, need a little side income you know i'll have that available so this is just a research project for you it's not, not entertainment yeah pretty much yeah okay good so, so that's pretty much what i've been doing and then on sundays i play try to play three or four maybe five poker tournaments on acr in the afternoon and see if i can build my bankroll and are you are you playing more online than you were before or is this pretty much what your rhythm has been for online poker well, no, I'm playing a lot more than I was before. Um, I usually don't play during the week too much. Um, you know, I might spin up a sit and go or something. But I, and then I don't do much on Saturday, but on Sunday, last couple Sundays now, I start at about 11 o'clock and I start signing up for the $6 tournaments or whatever. You know, I do three or four. I have usually have four tables going or three or four tables going. And I might read by once or twice, depending. And just see what happens. I've been doing that last couple of Sundays, and it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, you had a nice bank, didn't you? Didn't you have a nice nice score? Yeah, I I, I got a six six sixty yesterday on yeah yesterday for uh, three hundred three hundred some bucks or something like that. Sweet man, that's place. awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Chris, how are you doing now uh, during this whole ordeal? I. I'm I'm catching up on Ozark too whenever I have a chance. So that's 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 been my uh, kind of coronavirus uh, watch session. But yeah, no, I've, I've been um, I've been home since uh, the 13th actually, one one uh, week work day before Rob and um, have not really left the house much since then. And doing all my work from uh, from home, uh, it's been you know been a pretty easy transition. We've had to so my work does a lot of like meetings and classes and conferences and things that bring people together. And so we've had to reshape those all to be virtual experiences. And I've had to learn how to do live streaming and things like that, uh, which I'd never done before, but um, mostly it's been going pretty well. And then, you know, personally, a a lot of my family works in healthcare. So um, I don't have anybody who's in, you know, in my immediate circle who's been impacted, but I'm definitely sort of nervous about all those all those people are sort of on the front lines and they're definitely seeing um, lots of cases and, and um, you know, it's a really, it's a really scary time for them. And I'm, I'm grateful for all the, all anyone who's doing that kind of work right now. Do you have a chance to talk to them much? The ones that are on the front line? Yeah, a little bit. I've, I've caught up with some, both some friends and family a little bit. And um, you know, I think in some cases, um, especially in Minnesota, because I've I've family in in other parts of the country where I think they're a little bit more overwhelmed in terms of the number of cases. So in Minnesota, there's a it's it's you know I think they're anticipating it coming a little bit later, the the like actual peak of it. So they're almost kind of bored in some ways. Like there's aren't 
that they don't they have less sort of to do than they normally do at least right now um but they're expecting that to obviously peak and and change um and then uh elsewhere i know that it's it's um you know, it's, it's really, they're overwhelming days. I mean, it's just, you know, and there's a lot of fear and they're running out of equipment and are they doing, you know, all the right things in all the right places. So, um, you know, are, are they feeling, you know, are they, are they feeling the support from their community and, and, yeah. the, you know, at least feeling like we're, we're grateful for what yeah, they're doing? I mean, that's, that's what I, I mean. And every time I talk to them, I'm just like, you know, this, you know, if you if you guys all quit, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So, thank you for doing what you do, and um, yeah, it's a, it's it's great. Good. How about you, John? Well, I've been doing uh, pretty good. I haven't been into work for quite a while as well. Been uh, working from home. That works out pretty well. I also binge watched Mandalorian, mm. which is the Star Wars series on Disney Plus. That was quite good. Um, and I, it, it is a little interesting. I am, uh, I've been fighting off a cold now for about two weeks. Mm. So I have been sick, but I'm pretty sure that it's not COVID, that it's just a cold. I mean, I have a productive cough. It's not dry, no fever, no trouble breathing, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of hate being sick and I'm, I don't want to leave the house in case I'm wrong. Cause I can't. I don't know for sure, but I think like 90% it's just cold. Yeah. But it's still right. It's in the back of your mind. Like, well, you're watching so carefully for that. Right. Right. And I don't want to get anyone else sick I, with this or particularly if it were COVID definitely wouldn't want to uh, transmit that to anyone else. Yeah. Okay. But, but things are manageable for you right now at, at this point. Yep. Yep. I did finally get around, uh, took this opportunity to sign up for ACR. It's something I've been meaning to do for a while, but I wanted to make sure that I would have enough dedicated time to actually clear any bonuses that you get for the deposit bonus because you only have a fixed period of time to do that. And my schedule didn't doesn't always allow for me to do much playing, but I went ahead and bit the bullet, got poker tracker four up and running now i just have to figure out how to i play from two different computers i have a desktop and a laptop and i want to synchronize the poker tracker four database on the two Uh, machines so i'm investigating routes to handle that and there's a number of different approaches and i'm trying to figure out what's the best one going to be for me well it's too bad you don't know anything about technology yeah, you know, I wish I was a computer programmer or something right. like that. That would come in really handy right now. Yeah. I was going to say, hey, I know some people that can help you. Then I'm like, well, duh, he's a programmer. <laughs> I think he's okay. Yeah, it's just, I just have to figure out what approach. It sounds like uh, once it gets imported, I could, it, it'll, it can copy the hands to a different folder and then I can make the machines grab it from each other. Or I could have a single database that both instances of poker track are right to. But then... I would either need to always have it on my laptop if I wanted to travel with it, and ha- that would have to be on and available, or I would have to leave it on my desktop, then I couldn't play when I wasn't at home. Mm. Um, or I'll, what I'm probably leaning towards is I'll just make it import the hands from the other machine. After it loads them into Poker Tracker, it'll write them to a different spot on the disk, and then my other machine will read them up and 
anyway, it's boring for everyone listening, but that's one of the things I want to figure out how to do. Well, it's not, it's not boring for Jim Reed. I know he eats this stuff up. So he's nodding his head. He's like, yeah, cause I, I, he can help you out with that too. If you're trying to think it through. Cause I know he's, he's walked through this stuff a few times, but no, I, I'm legitimately nerding out at this puzzle to solve. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I get a big kick out of. Um, John has, I, John probably has more experience with poker tracker than I do, but that, those, those are the two ways I was thinking about doing it as well. John, that's so fun. Enjoy well, that puzzle. And I know I, I had this working back when, you know, this would have been like 2011, 2000. Well, probably around 2011 is when I stopped when after uh, Black Friday. But I had it set up with Poker Tracker 3 so I could work on either my laptop or my desktop at that point in time. So I can get it again. I'm not that worried about it. <laughs> well, Jim, how are you? How are things going now for you? You've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but But during the middle of this pandemic, what's the story? Well, I'm I'm pretty lucky. I've about a year ago I started trying to transition to doing more work from home in my business, more project management and that kind of thing. So um, I've been lucky. Uh, business has slowed down. We're definitely all tight, tightening our belts, but um, I'm still able to do some from home, which which makes me feel better. And my wife uh, is still recovering from a broken collarbone, so she's she's already several weeks into. Uh, uh, home <laughs> rest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's been restful because recovery from a broken collarbone can be pretty painful and frustrating. But she's been really doing uh, doing well with it. Um, so other than that, I mean, I've been trying to uh, play a little more. I haven't really had that much time because I'm trying to wrap up some other. I'm trying to use this downtime to get at some things on my list to find out if I don't have enough time is actually the reason why I haven't been doing them, or hmm. if there's actually a better reason. Um, so I'm finding out a little, so that's, that's been, that's been pleasant. Um, mostly just calling people more and visiting less, uh, talking to my parents on the phone more. I've got some family down in the States, uh, and just checking in with them a little more often. I know I've got some people in my family that are at risk, so I'm taking my role as a intermediary pretty seriously and trying to just make sure that I'm taking all the precautions I can to protect them. I've definitely noticed people, people in the shops uh, out here, you know, all, all the stores are taking great precautions and uh, letting at-risk folks come in for the first hour of the day, um, putting out spacing markers and that kind of thing. Um, and everyone's, everyone's pulling in the same direction, which is nice to see the community coming together and everyone taking it seriously. Um, but I can tell people are stressed out. The people in the shops working the counters and, um, you know, maybe people aren't be- taking it as seriously as they think they should, or maybe they're not, you know, being treated with the kind of respect that I think people on the panel here agree that they should. And, you know, so it's just going to be a test for some people. But all in all, um, I'm encouraged by what we've seen. Good. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's the reality. Unless you have somebody that, you know, is touching this thing firsthand, you know, you're sort of left to the whim of which news reports do you believe and all those sorts of things. Chris has the advantage, so to speak, of being in contact with people who are on the front lines and can give you direct, you know, things. We've had a couple of people that we know, one is an at-risk person, another person who's who's not considered at risk, but they they have it. Um, and, you know, try, how do you walk through that? How do you, you, know, you hear the stories about what's actually happening uh, to them? And it's very, very, very difficult uh, for them. You know, so we've got a few few uh, vulnerable people that we actually buy the groceries for and drop off. Well, how does that work? We want to make sure that we're safe dropping that off for them. So how do we make sure that, 
what was picked up in the grocery store is safe for them. You know, so there's all of those logistical things. There's, you know, we just have Easter and we're standing 20 feet away from my mom and her husband yelling happy Easter. And I mean, all of these weird sort of things. My son, um, you know, is over in, in Paris. He's going to do a year. Uh, about a month ago, we started the process of trying to get him back. And we, it was just a nightmare because just a number of reasons I won't get into on the air. Uh, finally, he got back. We've quarantined him for two weeks. We pick him up tomorrow so we get to actually see him uh, for the first time. So just, I mean, all of these weird sort of things, right? And I think we've all talked, but we're pretty lucky here on the panel. We've all got things that we can do virtually. Uh, some people aren't as fortunate. The jobs have been lost uh, or cut way back. Um, and so I think, you know, hopefully, you know, for those of you who are out there listening, you know, are listening to us going, well, we don't have a lot of changes. We don't. Uh, we, we acknowledge that we don't, but we recognize that a lot of you are, are hurting. And if there's anything that we can do as a rec poker community to somehow make your life a little better. Uh, we ne can't necessarily bring your groceries and all of those things. But uh, if you're sitting there going, man, I just could use a shot in the arm or something good. Uh, if you think poker and something rec poker does could provide some of that, please let us know. Like, I think we all to a person want to be part of being on the right side of history here and just adding to the beauty in some little small way. Uh, so please uh, reach out to us and let us know how we can help you uh, in some way, get through this process uh, a little bit better. But uh, I just wanted to, to kind of uh, acknowledge what's going on in our world and have you guys check in and let people know uh, that are now saying, hey, how's Chris? How's Rob? How's Jim? How's John? Um, and, and let people know because uh, this is bigger than poker. Uh, and we love poker. and we <laughs> Don't get us wrong. Uh, and we're going to get into strategy here. But I, th I thought it was worth at least taking a moment to acknowledge what's going on and kind of touch touch in, uh, touch base with all of us that's, with what's going on. So thanks for taking a minute, guys, and, and sharing that stuff. And um, we'll just kind of keep on pressing forward. Who knows how long this is going to be, right? The estimates are across the board. All right. Well, let's let's shift gears, uh, Chris. If you want to kind of help us get into some strategy stuff now. Now we've now we've acknowledged the world that we live in. Yeah. Uh, and now now make us a better poker player, Chris. Yeah. Well, I'll try. I'll try my best. <laughs> um, and speaking of uh, the, you know all these things, uh, I think the other thing that this is you know on a on a non serious note in terms of like not as serious as like the, the people who work in the front lines and all the people who might have this and are struggling with it and all those kind of things. Um, this has really made me appreciate um, live poker in a, a big way. Like the, the, the fact that we got to do that sometimes and just go play. And sometimes you'd have a bad beating, God, but like it was uh, what a, what a great sort of honor and privilege it was to be able to do that. And I can't wait till we can do it again. Um, so, but anyway, well said, um, this, I, I, well said. Yeah, yeah I really, uh, I mean, I'm very excited for that to come back, but for the time being, what we have is online poker and this is an online poker hand. And I think it's one that, um, isn't really that, uh, unusual, but for that reason, I think it's one that a lot of us may struggle with, um, how to play it. I think there's a lot of different ways to approach this hand. Um, I know some people in our audience particularly hate this hand, um, particularly Grandpa George. Um, and this is, uh, I think, hopefully we can have a good conversation about uh, the good old Ace King. So this is ACR. Um, it's a $15 tournament. It's a 40K guaranteed. We've just reached uh, in the money. So the bubble has just burst. Uh, we are at the 4,000, 8,000 level with a 960 ante. 
So we're sitting in the hijack. It folds to us, and we have ace of spades, king of clubs, and we have 663K behind. So that's about 85 big blinds. Uh, and so we open to uh, a min, which has been kind of the table norm. Uh, I sometimes uh, I sometimes level up a, to something like, an, and this I would sort of do 18K or something. But um, I've been sort of, this has been really standard at this table to just do a min raise. So I'm, I'm following along and I, I raised a 16K. So it folds to the small blind who puts out a three bet um, for 64K. Uh, and they have a stack of 291k behind, so about 45 big blinds. And I'm going to stop there and ask about uh, what is your approach uh, with these stack sizes in this moment of the tournament uh, with this hand, just having been three bet. Well, I, I can go first. I like to go first because then everybody else can tell me how wrong I am. But um... I, you know, with this stack size, with 45 bigs in this dynamic, I probably rip. Um, part of the reason is we're, we're in the money already. I'm looking to build a stack. But I think for me, the biggest part is, you know, we're not at risk if we do rip. Uh, but uh, positionally, uh, if we're opening from the hijack, our range should be pretty wide. Uh, it's not, you know, obviously not as wide as the button or cutoff, but it should be fairly wide. And the small blind now with the bubble bursting is looking to, increase their stack their their three bet range should be pretty wide uh, out of the small blind so I like ace king against that range quite a bit I think we're going to get a fair number of folds uh, and obviously if the aces or kings were in trouble otherwise we're racing and I'm frankly once I put in the 16k um, obviously you can you can you know slow play it or whatever but it's hard to get paid I think uh, if you hit your ace or your king uh, you know by pocket tens or pocket nines or, or that sort of thing so I'm I'm frankly I'm willing to put it in here uh, it's a different situation if it's pre uh, pre bubble, I guess for me. Yeah, I was, I, yeah. Go, sorry, ahead, go ahead, Jim. No, you go ahead. Well, for me, I just I, I, I maybe sometimes I feel like this is a little outdated, uh, but I still just for ace, for me, ace king is a shoving hand more than a see how it works out hand because. Um, I just, I don't want to let them off the hook with those like pocket tens, pocket jacks. They see the ace or the king on the flop and now you're not going to get paid. Um, but depth has a lot to do with it. And you don't want to be in a spot where you're ripping and you're only getting called by kings and aces, right? Um, so I think with this stack depth, you're probably, just after the bubble like that, you're probably getting called by worse or at least mm -hmm. a flip, which I don't think you mind given the uh, pot odds involved. Um, out of position, I think it's got to be a shove. Um, in position, I, I, yeah, it's attractive to see the flop and see and and you know you're always gonna the the times when they flop two pair, uh, you know, as you know, most of the time what's gonna happen is they're gonna flop a worse one pair and you're gonna get paid. Um, so, uh, yeah, I get that. For me, I, I think I rip it um, given the stack size. If he had more, um, that would be different maybe, or if he had. No, this amount or less, I think I'm. I think I'm ripping. Yeah, I think I don't know that I. I can justify going all in. I mean, you're you're going to be putting in six hundred thousand, right? Um, uh, two hundred ninety-one or no? They have yeah, two hundred ninety-one thousand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're you're going to be putting in two hundred ninety-one thousand. Um. 
I might. Well, yeah, the three bet's going to be pretty much that anyway, isn't it? Yep. If you three bet, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I think we either are to just not to interrupt you, but I think our option really here is: do we flat and see three, or do we um, do we put a, put the small blind all in? Yeah, and I think I have to. I like what Stephen Jimbo said that maybe we just put the guy all in. Um, in game, me personally, I probably would have done the same thing. I probably would have just called mm-hmm. um, to see a flop. Um, but I did that a few times over on Sunday, and I was always wrong. So, uh, <laughs> so and I, one thing maybe I'll, I'll add to is that this player, um, I didn't have a lot of hands with them, but um, this was their one of the reasons I elected to call was I think they they uh, had not three bet uh, in about 30 or 35 hands. Um, and they had a very low um, mm. VPIP rate too. So they just, they were not playing very many hands. Um, and we're not getting out of line. Now, granted, it was, I think it was like 30 to 35 hands. I'd have to go back and look at uh, the tracker. Um, but um they were not they were not a very active player um which maybe shouldn't slow me down because ace king does well against most three betting hands even against um an, an inactive player but it is what uh led me to say well i've got position here um i can see three i can you know i'm most likely going to uh be able to to react to how this player plays the rest of the hand um and it's not really worth it right now to give up half of my stack against um hands that might have me really dominated so 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 how does that translate into your decision when you say okay well they're they haven't three bet at all even though it's a a small sample size they haven't three bet at all they seem pretty tight so so apparently what i'm hearing is so when they three bet you're giving that more respect Mm -hmm. does so does that does that sort of when it transitions into you and your decision, does that mean that you're thinking, okay, I know I don't have any fold equity because they have a big enough hand. They're probably going to call off. Is that how it translates in or that, or is it more of a fear that they have aces or Kings here, even though I have blockers? Like it's both of those, but, but ultimately then, you know, I go back to some of that and this is, this is maybe where my, my logic starts to fray a little, but um, ultimately I started to think about the, you know, I think some people often call Ace King the best drawing hand, right? And and in some ways when I'm faced with somebody who I think has, I mean, like, are they capable? Uh, now we'll f- find out that some of my assumptions here are not correct, but um, <laughs> spoiler alert, but, um, you know, I'm thinking that somebody, you know, best case, maybe there's Ace Queen out there but I'm really putting them on a very tight range right now. Um, and I'm thinking that uh, I don't necessarily want to get it in with that tight of a range um, because I'm behind. Uh, even if we're racing, you know, I'm not sure I want to race for half my stack. Um, you know, it'd be really nice to sort of see how this hand develops before, before I, but, but that that's, you know, that's the struggle with ACE King, right? It's, it's sort of, it's, really a powerful hand but it's also one that can be in a lot of trouble even against pocket nines or pocket tens um if if those hands call you 
Yeah. Right. Right. If you right. don't think you have fold equity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not oh. sure. I mean, yeah, go ahead. How many people? How many people are left in the tournament? I mean, you said you're in the money. Are you just barely in the money with yeah, we've 30 just, more spots being paid, or the bubble has just burst um, within. You know, I think we've eliminated maybe ten or twenty people. I'm trying to remember. This is a big tournament because um, it was a 40k guaranteed. So, um, so I'm trying to remember. One thing but- to note is after the bubble bursts, people's ranges are very yeah. different than before the bubble bursts. It's a very good so, point. So, uh, to my mind, that would decrease the emphasis that I'd put on your read that they, that player has not rate, free bet in 30-some-odd hands because their play may be very different once they've reached the money. Yeah, that's um, a really good point. And, and and just to throw my thought out here in game my natural knee-jerk reaction would have been probably to call but after listening to the discussion i think i like the the shove all in better so let's let's talk about that um because i think that that is one of this is the really inflect you know kind of the inflection point of the hand uh, although there's another one that we'll, we'll talk about um i did end up calling this by the way but so what at what point do we no longer, what point do we start flatting with ace king? I mean, is it a 60 big blind stack? Is it a 70 big blind stack? What, what, what is the cutoff where this is no longer where we want to sort of say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We gotta, we gotta like make sure we're, we're good here. So to my mind, um, there's a couple of things that go into it. First is we have about double the stack that our opponent has. So when we, if we were to lose, we still have a comfortable stack to play. So that is part of the reason if, if it wasn't, if we had the same size stack, I don't know that I would be as comfortable shoving. I'd have to think about it a lot more. It's not as clear cut to me, but because we can still play successfully afterwards, we can do that. Um, and at that stack size, I think we can still get calls from hands that we have beat. We aren't going to force them to play perfectly. And that this is, that's a, a judgment call you know, on whether or not you think they will or, or not. But in my mind, they will still call with hands that we have beat. Ace-Queen might still call. Um, probably not Ace-Jack or Ace-10. You will still be getting calls from Queens-Jacks. Tens, maybe nines, uh, depending upon the player. Um, of course, they're going to be calling with hands that beat you to the aces and kings, but you do uh, have blockers for both of those. So um, I think it wouldn't take too many more big blinds. Like if they were sitting on 50 to 60 big blinds, I don't know that it would be a shove with this size betting because you you made it two big blinds. They raised to eight. And now you're going to put them in for the uh, remaining, what is it, 37 big blinds left? So um, if they still had 45 big blinds after that, I don't know that it would be – you could maybe then just do a three bet and not do the shove all in. Um, But I don't don't know. That's basically my take on it at this point. 
Anyone else? What, what's the what's your cutoff at this point where you would either consider a flat or not not at least not a shove all in? Uh, what between what what does the your opponent have to have? What kind of stack? I think there I think there's two kind of I think there's a less and a more sort of thing. I think if if they're putting in like half they're doing this like to half their stack, I'd be like more tempted to frankly just flat and see what happens because that just looks so strong. Like because I and I know I have no fold equity. Like if they go to 64k out of their 150k stack, I might be more tempted to flat just because I know I have no fold equity. They're going to even call me with their Jack 10. You know, I'd almost rather see a flop there and see. I don't know if that's right or not. Because uh, you look at it both ways, right? Because they, they're not going to fold their ace-10 then either. Um, but are they actually betting half their stack with ace-10? Like, that just looks like such a strong play. So I think they're, to me, there's sort of that piece. And then there's something bigger, which probably is more like a 60 big blind stack for me uh, a little bit there. And that might be, um, I mean, in, in a way, flatting there at that point uh, I'd still be tempted to, sh- tempted to ship, and I think this is a leak in my game. I still might be tempted to ship there um, because of the you know the late position raise, the the small blind three bet. Uh, I just think the dynamics are there that I, I've got a good range, but I'm forcing my opponent to play optimally there by shoving into sixty bigs versus forty. Like to John's point, I still think Ace Queen is going to call me in a post bubble situation, um, and and if I'm willing to accept those other races with the pocket fours, five sixes, that's fine too. But um, I think for me at that, that higher level, it's almost more like an underrepresentation of my hand. Like I'm just flatting there and I'm really on, in a sense, underrepresenting ace king. So if an ace comes, they're going to feel very confident that their ace jack or ace queen are good. And I've up, underrepresented my hand. So I think it's more, it's pot control, but it's also almost a tactical strategic underrepresentation of, of my hand. I think when I look at it, it's uh, not as much the stack depth. It has to do with uh, the number of players that are left. Um, you know, how many tables are we talking about? And I've noticed there's a big difference in the types of tournaments that I've been playing on ACR on Sundays, where you can get, I got to the final 20 in one tournament, and the average big blinds was 20. And then I get to an, I'm in another tournament and there's, um, you know, a thousand people left and the average big blinds is, you know, 250. <laughs> so it's, you know, you have, you look at what is the, what is the average right now? I mean, is the average big blinds, are you above average in big blinds with your 60 or what do you have? Um, 85 big blinds. Is that about average or are you way over the the limit if the average is around 40 i could go all in and even if i lose even if i he plays perfectly and calls me off with aces i still have an average stack and so i'm i'm right in the mix to be able to finish out that tournament strong so that has more to do with it than the actual number of big blinds i happen to have it's what i have in relation to the field I'd, I'd be curious. I had a top oh, go ahead, John. Stack at this time, just to, for context, I had a top twenty stack, and um, there were. Uh, I'm trying to remember how, but there were quite a few players left. I mean, it was a very. We were in that very flat part of in the money where you're not really making any money if you, um, you know, level up a little bit here. I'm I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this. And I, I haven't done the math, so forgive me if this is a very ignorant question. But okay, so we opened to sixteen. They raised to 64, all right? And 
we have 85 bigs to start. They have whatever, 45 bigs behind, whatever that is. Let's, let's say just hypothetically, we know they have pocket jacks and we know that they're not going to fold. Let's just say we, we, know, we know that's the situation, that they only raise this amount when they have pocket jacks. So we absolutely know they have pocket jacks. Or they accidentally told their buddy, hey, I got jacks. Um, <laughs> what, what, this is your, online, Steve. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what, what is your play then? If you, if you know they have jacks and you know they're not going to fold, and forgive me if this is ignorant, but I can still see justification for calling. Let's say if we call and we hit an ace or a king, we know that they're not going to pay us off anymore. So if we call, then we see if we get an ace or a king, we get to see three cards. And if we win, we're not going to win anymore. But if we lose, we're not going to lose anymore. Or we shove, and we know that they're going to call for this big stack, but we get to see all five. So either we're going to lose the 350K or we're going to add 350K. You know what I mean? Like, but we get to see all five cards. Like, what's, I don't know what the mathematics would tell me, but what do you, what's your guys' gut on that? Like, which would you prefer in that, you know, just immediately post-bubble situation? I think the shove, because I, I think you want to, there you, <laughs> with the dead money that's in the pot, depending upon when you you learn this information, but assuming the 16 and the 64 are already in the yeah. pot, that's plus enough the, plus to, the to make it, yeah. right. That's enough to make it a plus EV call because you're basically 50, 50 you're behind slightly against Jack's, but with the dead money in the pot, it from a chip equity point of view, you're basically break even at this point in the tournament with ICM considerations, chip equity is practically what you yeah. have because the, it's such a flat structure at this point. Um, so I would rather see all five cards where you're 50-50 versus if you're only seeing three cards. Because in the other case, you're only going to see three cards. Right. And then you're not going to um, – you're not getting as good of a price. You're not getting 50% it, equity at that point. Right. Or hand, hand equity. Right. Right. But you're, all, you're, you're protecting your downside loss. This that's, is true. That, that's the trade that, – that's the curiosity, right? That's the trade-off. You're only risking 64 and, instead of 350. So but that's all, and yeah, yeah, and like one one thing that I uh, and one one of the reasons I think I called here is I think I I, I would have been shoving a lot of times in, in my poker life, but I've been really trying to um, really think about spots where I am pu- increasing my variance because I do think. I mean, you know, I think that against the field on, on an AC, a typical ACR tournament, that I probably have a an advantage post flop. I mean, not to like be, you know, whatever, but I think I have an advantage post flop against the field, basically. Um, and so, I want to I want to find those spots where I I can put myself in those positions and know how to take advantage of that, versus just. Uh, turning to coin flips too often, which I think is something that has been an instinct of mine. Um, but I understand there's a sort of, there's that kind of that equity side, that EV side of things where we're like, well, but you're supposed to take those coin flips because in the end you also have fold equity potentially. And um, you know, between the, between the 50, 50 flip or the, whatever it is, 45, 55 flip. And the fact that you, you probably have some fold equity in there, maybe hopefully <laughs> um, you're, you're, you're actually 
you really are supposed to make that shove there. So that that's the part where I'm really trying to figure out balancing between when do I set myself up to try to take those flips and when do I set myself up to try to maybe play more poker and play against players who I feel like I have potentially an advantage to getting to post flop with them. So when you think about like that, that skill edge or whatever you want to call it, uh, especially in position, I mean, are you actually thinking about things like this at the table? Like, like let's say for example, you think that they three bet with a range that includes eights and up, you know, pocket eights and higher. I mean, because part of that skill edge would say, okay, is this the kind of opponent that if a flop comes queen four three, they're going to check fold to a continuation bet? I mean, is right. that are you actually kind of thinking like that sort of thing? Or are they going to continuation bet everything and then I'm going to fold ace king on a queen high flop? Like, I think they're going to play. I mean, not necessarily this specific player because yeah. I, you know, but but the field I think is going to play very very face up on a okay. three bet pot. Uh, with this amount of stacks left, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I feel like there are a lot of flops, even if I don't hit them with my ace king, that I can take advantage of. Yeah, that's kind of my question. Like, do you think you can win pots without hitting? Right. Yeah, for sure. I'm not just, I'm not just flatting this, saying, okay, well, hope I hit an ace or king, otherwise I'm done. Um, that's not my plan. Um, yeah. If okay. I flat here. And you're deep enough that you can do that. Right. Right. Okay. I like that. Well, anyway, so I, that's just, that's kind of, but anyway, I did end up flatting. Um, and I, it may be a mistake here. Uh, it may be one where I, a spot where I really need to look at a little closer, but I did end up flatting and uh, the flop comes ace of clubs, six of hearts, three of spades. So yay. Yeah. Uh, we hit our ace. Um, and again, we have uh, ace of spades, king of clubs. Um, we got a rainbow flop with an ace and a pretty innocuous board. Um, the small blind uh, into the pot of 145K leads out after their three bet, following up on their C betting their three bet to 36K. So a pretty small um, C bet here. Um, what's our move? Flop seems dry enough that given the stacks, I think you can either call or raise if it was a more dynamic flop i'd probably be raising here but i can see a good it's a good chance to call here keep your range wide let him uh take another stab on the turn and then you'll be in a spot to get stacks in yeah i think you which, can under which i think we want to do yeah yeah you can underrepresent your hand here for sure like you know you could you could easily have uh pocket sevens eights or nines the way that you played it and be calling to see one more like that you know you're you could you don't have to have an ace here to make a post-flop call. Uh, and I think your opponent should know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm calling this kind of flop pretty much, even, even if I have pocket aces or pocket sixes or something, I'm, I'm just flatting this uh, for sure because um, my opponent has initiative uh, they don't have that much behind now. Um, they, you know, let's see. They've got. We have a pot now. If I call, we have a pot about 220k, uh, and they've got about 250k behind. So they've got just about a pot size bet going into the turn. If I call here, um, so this is this is um, a card that I am flatting most of the time. And you and you want to keep you want to keep their bluffs in here for the turn. Yeah. You, yep. you know, you yep. raise there, then say goodbye to any more value. 
Anyone want to argue for a raise here? If we were actually deeper, I'd consider raising a very small amount uh, just to get the last chip in play uh, by the river. But I don't, I don't think you need to here. If, mm -hmm. if like I said, if this was a, a flush draw flop or you know something with more obvious straights for a three betting range, then that'd be a better argument for it. But I think, I think it's, I think it's right to call. One of the things that like the villain here has chosen a small bet size to keep their range wide, so that they can do it with a lot. And the best way to, com to combat that strategically is to continue with a wide range yourself to make so that, you know, you sort of foil their plan to uh, exert more leverage than um, they actually are with their chips. So I think it's the right play to call behind with a wide range and uh, shake it up on the turn. All right. We, well, we, uh, we, we kind of talked about this in our last couple of seminars, right? We talked a couple of seminars back about static versus dynamic flops. <clears throat> this is definitely a static flop. Whoever's ahead right now, his next card is not going to change that very much. It's going to be very difficult for one card to change the dynamic of who's ahead and who's behind. <clears throat> and then we also talked about, on uh, the last one, we talked about pot odds and stack-to-pot ratio and that sort of thing. And when you're talking in those terms, uh, the betting size that he made is based on what we talked about. Um, when you have a static flop, the uh, there's a lot there's no the the opponent your opponent is going to be inelastic. So in other words, Chris at this point is going to be inelastic. <clears throat> He's either going to call or fold regardless of your bet size. So you can bet smaller, knowing that if he's going to fold, he's going to fold anyway. And if he's going to call, you're not risking as much, and you know that the dynamic or the the board is not going to change that much. Who's ahead and who's behind? And he set it up perfectly for that shove on the turn because he's got the perfect stack size, just a little over a pot size bet left in his stack. He's got that perfect stack size to just jam on the on the turn. I mean, he's playing it really, really well. If you ask me, this mm -hmm. your opponent is playing it very well, and you haven't given him any idea how strong you are yet. Right. So, right. <clears throat> yep. I think. A lot of the things that we've talked about in our last couple of seminars is, is coming into play just in this one hand. Yeah, the strongest move I've made is is calling that three bet, um, and that you know that should put his a little bit on on edge. But um, you know he's he's definitely playing this. You know he's setting himself up well for this turn. Yeah, and what do you put? What do you put if you're if you're the three better and somebody calls your three bet? Right away, you know, well, he probably doesn't have aces. He probably doesn't have kings. He probably doesn't have queens. Maybe queens. Probably doesn't have ace-king, but maybe ace-king. But you know he doesn't have aces or kings, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, he's looking at that range right away, knowing that, well, chances of him having top pair, you know, well, maybe, you know, you're not going to call with an ace-jack or an ace-queen or an ace-ten. You know, you might call with ace-king. Maybe, but more than likely, you're going to go over the top of him with an ace king or with pocket aces. So he's looking at an ace high flop and he's putting pressure on you, knowing that you don't have the chances of you having those big cards are very small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's playing it just the way you would play it, regardless of the two cards you had. Right, right. Well, the turn is the four of spades. 
So again, we have an ace of clubs, six of hearts, three of spades, four of spades board. Uh, and the villain uh, shoves 255K. We have 579K back. What are we doing? <laughs> I, I'm fist pump calling. Um, I, and only because I've, I've underrepresented my hand uh, so strongly. And Rob's point, you know, do I have a lot of aces here? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think he, if, if he's doing this, he could even be, he could be bluffing, but, you know, thinking that I'm going to fold my ace 10, my ace jack, you know, the, some of the aces that I do have, I might still relinquish. So I, maybe not fist pumping, but I'm, I'm pretty happy uh, with, with calling this off here. And you're hoping spot. to see, what are you hoping to see? Oh, I'm hoping to see, you know, kind of what you, ace jack, ace 10, ace queen, uh, pocket tens, pocket jacks, any of that sort of thing. Cause I don't think he's shoving sets here. Um, he could be, uh, he kind of set up that pot size bet, but um, I just think there's the hands that we beat. It could be another ace king for that matter, even though we block it. But I do think uh, ace queen, ace jack, ace 10 are probably making this sort of play. I think he's making the play with kings, queens, jacks, tens, nines, eights, sevens. I mean, or I just have to keep them in the range. At least I, to the extent that I give them full weight or not, um, is one thing. Um, but but that's in this stage of a tournament. I'm getting two to one on my money. I think I'm good more than one out of three times here. Um, I, I go with it. It's too bad we've got the ace of spades because you'd love for him to be able to have the ace of spades here because that would unlock a couple of those like ace two. Uh, ace five of spades, right. wheel aces that you'd be able to three bet and then shove when you turn the uh, flush True. draw. Um, because we've got it, that that takes out some of those natural bluff candidates here. Um, but as played, if he was three betting ace queen for value, he's betting ace queen for value here too. Yeah, um, 100%. So I think you're definitely ahead of some of that value, um, even though you're behind the sets. Uh, so yeah, I think I think... Also, I think he's, you know, we were talking about how tight he'd been for the last 30 hands. Um, but, of course, those were the 30 hands right before the bubble. So it, he is likely to be more tight in that spot. And so um, if you think he's got any bluffs in him at all here, I think I'm, I'm all about Steve's uh, fist pump call here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are those, and I thought of this early on. I've, I've looked ahead, but, I mean, I, I thought of this early on when you get three bet out of the small blind because I – I think about the hands that I do like to three bet out of the small blind include a lot of small suited aces. Uh, to me, that's such a great three bet candidate because I, I don't mind folding to a four bet. That's a pretty easy getaway. So I think a lot of people are doing that. So there are some of those suited ace combos that are, that do connect uh, with this board. Um, but I, I still take my chances there. I think. Yeah, I think that you, I don't think you have a choice here. You've under, like here's Steve's Steve's words. You've underrepresented your hand. He's not going to put you on that strong of a hand. Um, so he could very well be making a move with less than top pair. You know, he might have um, a middle pair, like we were talking about kings, queens, jacks, tens, any of those. Um, not putting you on that strong as as strong a hand as you have, so you almost have to call. Yeah, and actually, I so one of the reasons. So I, I think I, I called this um, pretty quickly, 
Um, and one of the things that um, I was considering during this is that I, I feel like for villain, if they had a really strong hand, like a set here, that um, that a check here on this turn would have mm-hmm. been a, a superior play. Right. Um, and so I was actually surprised. The villain turned over a six of diamonds, um, which both surprises me from the, the three bet um, piece. But, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this and thinking I probably should have considered those, those suited aces a bit more. But it also surprises me because I feel like that's a great um, that's a great hand based on the way that this hand has been played that, you know, I guess you, you think you're going to get value from, from my aces, but um, there, that's a pretty, I, you know, I think you can get more value from your, from your hidden a six here um, by, by checking this turn and potentially um, because that looks pretty weak, right? To see bet yeah, out oh, after the three huge. bet and then oh. check, check that turn. I feel like that's a spot. And so I was not expecting to see that much strength. Um, yeah. I, I don't like his play either, his or her play, because if, cause I do think if you have like sevens, eights, nines, tens, jacks, queens, maybe up to that high, maybe jacks up to jacks, you're going to play this exactly the same way where you, you raise and then you just flat pre-flop and then you, you call flop just to see one more. And if he shoves turn, he gets you to fold all of those hands, which is a disaster for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's only getting it, – it's only a shove for value if you have ace-king. I mean, you might even fold ace-queen here um, because of the way he could have ace-king. You know what I mean? Like, I think you have the only hand <laughs> that he beats that calls his shove. I, yeah. That's why I don't like I don't like the shove at all either, frankly. Yeah. Because um, if, if he checks you, you're going to put him in so fast, his head's going to spin, right? Right. Right. I mean, I think that's exactly right. And I think he gets, um, I think I would probably be doing that with worse aces. Yeah. Maybe. I, I don't think I can get here with Kings. Uh, Kings is a, is a hand that I'm, I'm not going right. to um, be calling that three bet, but, but it's possible Jacks, I do that with nines. Jacks and tens and nines too yeah. after that action. So I think he can get paid off a lot more often with a check back here on this turn. Yeah, and he's got the board pretty locked. I mean, I know there's some some weird sorts of draws and stuff that come into play here, but he's never going to fold his two pair. So if you have a set, whatever. I mean, I just think, yeah, I think his highest value play there is a check back on the turn. Yep, yep. So anyway, I, I didn't mean this to bring this as a bad beat story because I, I don't think it is necessarily, but I think that, that there's interesting spots with Ace-King yeah. that come up where, um, you know, I, I think – I have consistently throughout my life played ace king also like very aggressively. Um, and I've been trying to consider spots where, where I can slow that down a little um, and not just go bust with it um, in spots where I don't need to necessarily. Um, but I think that this was a spot after we've talked about it, that is probably one where I, where I could have got this kind of hand exactly to fold. And it's probably one where I should have put all the chips in pre-flop. And then none of this, none of this sad story would have happened to me. The river <laughs> was a 10 of clubs. Uh, and so our, our opponent doubles up and we're, we're down to about a, um, about an average stack. But I, I do understand that feeling. Cause I, I would like to figure that out myself too. Like, you know, you grind and grind and grind and then 
well, let's race for it, you know, and you had yep. this guy covered, so it wasn't for your tournament life, but it does feel like, well, here we go. Let's just rip in Ace King and see what happens. You know, it does kind of feel like that sometimes, and sometimes about half the time it works out, <laughs> and the other <laughs> half of the time you're, you're out, and I don't know, am I happy with that trade-off? Like, am I happy doubling up half the time and busting half the time? I don't know. I don't, it, it, I don't well, think depends. I always am. <laughs> it depends on how you get it in, you know. I mean, if you're getting it in, being very aggressive and taking advantage not only of the, the strength of your hand, but your fold equity at the sure. same time, that's where you're willing to make that trade off. I mean, it's not like you're hoping he calls with tens, right? You're hoping that your fold equity is enough to get him off of those hands that have a potential of outdrawing you. But at the same time, if he ends up d- calling with those hands, you still have a lot of equity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think that's how kind of how you have to picture Ace King. It's not like, well, I've been grinding, grinding, grinding. Now I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna do a coin flip, see if I win or not. I like your impression of me. <laughs> no, it's more. I'm, I, I, I talk with my hands. I can't help it. No, I, I do. <laughs> no, but by getting no, I think that that's wise. I think that's you know not just shoving it in there. You know, being strategic about when to put it in, but it does. Sometimes I do bust those tournaments, and I'm like. Did I need to do that? So maybe asking the same question you're doing, Chris, is maybe I did, but I'm just, did I need, did I overplay ace high here? And sometimes it's also like, I'm more willing to get it in when I've got that average stack. But when you've built up one of these top 10, top 20 stacks, is it really worth like the gamble at that point? Or is this stack so valuable right now that I'm going to find better spots to, um, or is that the is that the wrong kind of thinking? Because the more I build this stack, the better, you know. But I I find right. that I actually get a little bit, and this might be something I need to think about or work on. Is that when I get one of those top ten stacks, I get maybe more cautious than in any other time when I'm playing, um, other than like you know go we're nearing the bubble and I need to be you know not do stupid things. But like, <laughs> it's the it's that time where I'm like, well, this is really valuable, and I know that I can play this really well. Um, if I just, but, but so that makes me less want to take these coin flips. Um, but I don't know, maybe that's the wrong approach and maybe that means I'm not playing them well and maybe I need to really rethink that. <laughs> so, well, if well, you're going like, to look for spots to call with ace king, I'd say the only adva- advice I have is do it in position. If you're looking to, uh, find some, some calling spots with ace king, don't do it out of position. Just shove it, shove it there all the time. Rec poker audience. If you're looking for a tip there um one more quick thing i was looking at the bet sizing here um and i noticed that if the villain had made a one-third pot bet on the flop instead of that really small uh, one quarter pot sized one then he would have actually had a a really effective shove stack of like one to one on the turn there so i'm surprised he it makes me feel like he didn't quite have a plan for this at every street because um I like this better as a bluff if you're going to overbet um, the pot on the turn. And so having a very small flop bet to cap your range and then overshoving on the turn makes a lot of sense. But if he's doing it for value, I would have made a slightly bigger uh, flop bet. And then your turn shove is less uh, frightening as an overbet. Good stuff. Well, Chris, thank you very much, man. I always, you always bring in these yeah. great hands and yeah. you think, okay, it's going to be a 10 minute conversation. And then 
45 minutes later, here we still are. But I love, I love the conversation. But thank you for bringing that hand in. Yeah, no problem. All right, well, let's, let's transition here a little bit. Let's get an update on the, the home games, uh, and then we'll get a little bit of update on the, the membership content as well. All right, well, our next uh, official home game is going to be May 6th. That'll be our No Limit Hold'em uh, game. Of course, we are still running our social distancing series every night at 8 o'clock through the end of April. And uh, back on April 8th, we had our last mixed game series, Limit Hold'em. And I'm beginning to think that maybe we need to rename this series to the Mike Patrick Invitational. I think we won do. Three out of the four mixed game events that we have held. So I didn't uh, see that until just now. Oh my god, <laughs> Mike! Stop! I'm gonna. Where are you? Team Canada. Be- there, I just muted Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right? So I'm, that's an incredibly impressive feat. It is. It really uh, is. So, uh, and right now, I think he has doubled the points of number second place. Nice job, so, Mike. Seriously, that's awesome. We need uh, some people to actually, you know, make them sweat to win it. Don't just let them walk <laughs> away. You know, we need to get people in there giving some good competition. I agree. Point, point of clarification, if uh, – COVID-19 makes it so that the World Series of Poker doesn't happen. Is, are we going to have a virtual O Canada song? That seems only fair. I we think. could do a backdrop of yeah, Las a, Vegas. Yeah, a strip. Oh, oh, backdrop. Standing yeah, there. But the backdrop you got now is like right there. You just need one of the Vegas Strip. And but if I did on, have a Vegas Strip, it'd be like in front of like 10 people I know, and that's it. <laughs> well, yeah, but... But then you put it on YouTube, and the world oh, will see. Oh, I suppose. Uh, well, yeah, it was never. There was never an opportunity that it wasn't going to be put up on YouTube. Right? That's a good point. Well, there could have been a technical difficulty of some kind. <laughs> I, I might. Yeah, I could accidentally not record the night we do. I, I, I'm a man of my word. Uh, I'll leave it up to the panel to decide what, what to do. I, I, I agree to sing O Canada" on the strip. If a Canadian wins at least one tournament a month. January through May. It's happened the first four months. <laughs> Who saw it coming? <laughs> Thank you, Mike Patrick, or whoever you actually. Mike Patrick! Um, but, you know, I'll, I will honor the commitment to whether that's a virtual thing or we save it till next year, whatever that is. Um, I'm getting a little nervous now. I really, I mean, it's just a numbers game. I, I wasn't, nothing against Canada, but I thought, well, how's that going to happen? I mean, there's like two or th- two or maybe three Canadians at play out of the 50 people. How are they going to win one out of the two tournaments every single month? It's crazy. Oh, this is phenomenal. I'm yeah, so excited. What we need to figure out is, I mean, the whole point of this thing is to humiliate Steve. <laughs> and having it go on uh, YouTube will accomplish part of that. But there was an extra layer of humiliation about being in a very public place right. doing something so ridiculous. So we might need to, you know – find like maybe you do it at the minnesota state fair in the fall or you know maybe we find some other embarrassing location for (laughs) you to be singing that for yeah probably a lot more people know him in minnesota like we can really embarrass don't make me do it in my hometown (laughs) (laughs) i thought this was gonna be a a town town crier i could go stand by the uh, the coburg ontario (laughs) town crier statue 
<laughs> oh. oh, this is yeah, but it's 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 fun, man. Holy cow, Mike, what a what a run! And I mean, a lot of us haven't played mixed games much, if at all. But I don't think that diminishes the feat at all. I think it's an impressive, impressive feat. Oh no, I've been very, very impressed by his play. I mean, I remember even like the first or second game, I thought, "Wow, this Patty '98 really mm. knows what they're doing." Yeah. And, of course, we still have our social distancing series on April 6th, Shorzy001. I think that's uh, his second win. That's Ben Gours. April 7th, JBoom0202, Josh Boom. On April 9th, we had Milo Junk. I do not (laughs) have a name for that, so you need to contact us with your real name, but your screen name is Milo Junk. Uh, April 10th, Red Devil MN, which is Garav Aurora. Uh, April 11th was Cash 1016, Kevin Leiter. And April 12th is Graphics 16, which I have a first name of Roger and don't have a last name. Oh, he emailed me because I think that's his second win. I forget. He's from Maine. I cannot remember his last name. I'll I'll look for it uh, and try to share that before the end of the podcast. We got a couple of repeat winners in there. That's exciting. And yeah, some, yeah, some it, crushers, some crushers up in the rec poker uh, social distancing series. It, it's it. a free home game. You professional, <laughs> stay home. I would like to win a pin. <laughs> I am winning a pin. I am winning a pin in the month of April. Yeah, nice. It is clear that the cream is rising to the top, and uh, it's <laughs> and clear that it. I am not there either. <laughs> so that's funny. <laughs> Well, thanks, John, for for that stuff, man. Appreciate all you do with with that. It's a lot to kind of keep track of. All right, so what do we got for uh, for content related stuff? Yeah, so for um, member content, uh, we're in April, and um, so this is still the month where we're talking about odds, uh, SPR, stack to pot ratio, and bet sizing. Uh, and uh, we're gearing up for May, uh, so our topic for May is going to be. Uh, ICM tournament stages and approaching multi-day tournaments. Um, I'm really looking forward to those conversations because I think a lot of people are interested in that. Uh, a lot of our audiences are tournament players, so I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, and I'm so excited about that. And and Roger Shoot is how he is is our our friend from Maine who t- took down that tournament. Well, anything else on that, Chris, at all? On the content no. stuff? No. All right, well, just, uh, just a heads up uh, for those of you who don't know, if you're a member, uh, uh, this Wednesday, uh, we're doing our first Learning with Partners. Is that what we're calling it, Jim? I forget. What do we land on for a name of this thing? Yeah, Learning with Partners. That's what we've settled on so far. And Andrew right. Feist is going to be leading this conversation, it's, but it's really it's a group discussion, and it's, I'm super excited about this. First time we're doing this, um, I mentioned this before, we have all of these amazing content partners, I don't know, 10 or 12, like premium, premium content people. And part of our arrangement with them is they're allowing us to uh, show up to 15 minutes a month of their premium content to our members. And so we're going to do this, try the first time this Wednesday, where uh, for three of our different providers, and Solve for Why, Learn Pro Poker, and is it Red Chip? I forget the third one that we're doing this month. I should know, but... Um, Red Chip or uh, Poker Coaching, I'm not sure. Yeah, it might be poker coaching. So out of those, we're going to do three of those. We're going to show a 15-minute clip or so. And then we're going to have a discussion for another 15, 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, we'll do that three times. And then we're going to do a walkthrough 
uh, of, I believe, Learn Pro Poker, one of our partners, where we can kind of have conversation and say, hey, what do they, what, what do, they do there? What, what's behind that curtain? So uh, it's going to be really fun, I think, some great conversation. But it's an opportunity, if you're a member at Rec Poker, to get this additional premium content that we're really curating around our topic of the month and get it for no additional cost. So thank you to our partners who are willing to do this, but uh, I'm really, really looking forward to this. I think it's going to uh, really expand uh, the community. Yeah, we do a lot of uh, stuff that we put on ourselves here, the seminars and the book study yeah. and uh, these strategy conversations. Um, but just as a participant, I'm really looking forward to these learning with partners uh, uh, sessions because it's we're literally just going to go behind the scenes on some of the greatest minds in poker right now and uh, get some some guided tours of, of the kind of content that other people are paying a lot of money for because it's that good. So I'm yeah, really phenomenal we're lucky, to, we're lucky to have these. We're lucky to have these great relationships that Steve's been putting together with these partners. Steve, way to go, man. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy because they, these people love poker and they love, uh, love sharing what they know. And uh, it's just been fantastic. But I think it's a great supplement for the stuff that we're already doing for our members, which uh, if you're not aware of the stuff that's out there, it's pretty insane uh, how much great content is out there. So anyway, uh, go to, go to rec.poker, check everything else that we're doing. It's all out there. Uh, if you still aren't sure how to stay connected, sign up for the newsletter out there. You just put in your email. We don't sell that. We don't give it away. Just uh, we, we give you information uh, on a regular basis through email. Uh, but thanks, guys. Thanks for being part of this deal. Um, so that's it. I mean, have, have a great week on and off the felt. I think it's been uh, a fun time to catch up on what's going on in our world's uh, virus-related and to dig into a hand uh, together as well. So, guys, have a good week, and we'll chat with you next time.